It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Saturday, February 29th, 2020. On this day in 1692, farmer Thomas Putnam accused three women of witchcraft, some of the first witchcraft accusations in Salem, Massachusetts. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the accusations against Salem residents Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne and the enslaved woman Tituba. This event ignited the Salem Witch Trials. Let's go back to Putnam's home in Salem, Massachusetts on February 29th, 1692. The air was frigid. Many were huddled inside their homes to keep warm. But Thomas Putnam wasn't worried about the weather. He believed a far greater evil was just outside his door. Something sinister lurked on the edge of Salem, an entity that needed to be removed. For months, neighbors had been telling Putnam stories of strange behavior from some of the women in town. It was said that the girls were barking like dogs, contorting their bodies in abnormal ways and being touched by evil spirits. He was skeptical at first, but the strange phenomenon hit close to home when his daughter, Anne Putnam, started acting oddly. Putnam looked at Anne one last time before he left the house. He gazed at her weary face and gently kissed her forehead. He was doing the right thing for his family, for Salem. Putnam grabbed his coat and opened the door. His destination? the magistrate's office. Thomas Putnam was joined by his brother, Edward Putnam, and his friends, Thomas Preston and Joseph Hutchinson. He was honored that his fellow Puritans were here to stand by his side. There was a special bond among farmers in Salem. They looked out for each other. The men traveled together through the bitter winds and into the center of town. As they walked, they passed Salem's schoolhouse. Thomas remembered all the times he had walked his daughter to and from the building. If all went to plan, Anne would be back to school in weeks, perhaps days. As he turned a corner, Thomas saw young Abigail Williams walking with her caretaker, Pastor Samuel Paris. Abigail was one of the first two girls claimed to be a victim of witchcraft. He looked at Abigail, clinging to the pastor's coat. She appeared timid. 
Paris inquired where Thomas and the other men were going. Thomas informed the pastor he was heading to the magistrate's office. The pastor was surprised, so Thomas told the pastor what happened to his daughter, Anne. Before Thomas departed, the pastor genuflected and gave the sign of the cross. He prayed that their mission would be fulfilled. As Thomas walked forward, he turned back toward Abigail. To ease her worry, Thomas smiled. He would make the town safe again for little girls like her. He continued his journey with a renewed sense of purpose. Finally, they arrived at their destination, the magistrate's office. Salem's magistrates, John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin, listened intently to Putnam's formal complaint that three local women were participating in witchcraft. Putnam divulged the names Sarah Good, Tituba the Slave, and Sarah Osborne. Thomas Putnam suspected each woman for his own reasons. Previously, he had sued Sarah Osborne after she refused to obey her late husband's will, of which Putnam was the executor. A woman who did not obey the demands of her male betters was naturally predisposed to witchcraft. Then, he believed Tituba had baked a witch cake for Anne, a dessert made from human urine and rye. The young girl fell ill shortly after. And when Anne began convulsing and barking violently, she claimed that Sarah Good appeared to her as an apparition, even causing physical harm. As representatives of the law, Hathorne and Corwin took Putnam's accusations seriously. They issued warrants for the arrest of the three women. Coming up, we'll explore the aftermath of these accusations, the Salem witchcraft trials. Now, back to the story. On February 29, 1692, Thomas Putnam and three other men accused Salem residents Sarah Good, Tituba, and Sarah Osborne of witchcraft. In the early hours of March 1, 1692, the three women were arrested and hauled in front of the magistrate for examination. Word spread furiously across town that three women were being interrogated by the magistrates. Everyone wanted to witness the spectacle. After all, the accused had fallen out of favor with the people of Salem long before the arrests. Sarah Good, in particular, had created enemies and garnered a reputation as a nuisance. She had a short temper and smoked, which was considered unnatural for a woman in 1692. Good's first husband passed away and left behind an unpaid bill from a suit he bought. When Good was unable to pay, the tailor sued. She shortly became known as the town beggar. Good was on the margins of society, cast out because of bad luck and a bad attitude. The fact that she was penniless and pregnant did nothing to deter the mob. Sarah Osborne also suffered from bad luck and made choices that incurred the judgment of her neighbors. 
Like Sarah Good, she'd been married more than once. She hadn't attended church in three years because of her failing health. Additionally, after her husband Robert Prince died, she fell in love with her indentured servant, Alexander Osborne. It was a love affair that many in Salem looked down upon. Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne's neighbors believed they were bad Puritans and deserved punishment. But the accusations against Tituba originated even closer to home. The enslaved woman was accused by her master's daughter. The girl declared that Tituba had told them stories about voodoo and other demonic spirits. Tituba was indeed an anomaly among the three women who stood on trial. She was one of 200 enslaved people in the entire state of Massachusetts who descended from African and native ancestry, making her an easy target. So Tituba surmised that the only way she could get out of the ordeal was to confess to the allegations. During her testimony, Tituba admitted to being a witch. She added that they were more like her roaming around Salem, her claims caused an uproar, igniting mass hysteria, inciting a witch hunt. After the trials began, Thomas Putnam and his daughter Anne were integral voices. According to the book Salem Witch Guides, Anne testified against 62 people. In April of 1692, Putnam wrote a letter to magistrates John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin. In the letter, he thanked them for their efforts in persecuting the witches. A few weeks later, Sarah Osborne died in a Boston jail. To the very end, she never confessed nor accused anyone else of witchcraft. In July of 1692, Sarah Good was hanged. She had also denied the accusations until the end. Tituba was sent to jail for 13 months, but was eventually released after an anonymous benefactor paid her bail. Over that summer, the unfounded panic led to the execution of 19 people. Today, the witch trials are so iconic, they're used to describe any incidents of mass hysteria, such as the Red Scare. Like the Red Scare, the Salem witch trials were fueled by hate and suspicion. And it all began on this day, February 29th, with the actions of Thomas Putnam. He may have thought he was doing the right thing, or simply been trying to punish those he disagreed with, Regardless, in the end, he tore an entire town apart. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more shows like this, be sure to check out our episodes of Female Criminals covering the Salem Witch Trials. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Renee Thomas-Rodriguez, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 